Well, hey, welcome to First Church. Whether you're online or in person, we are so glad that you're joining us for worship here today. And I know there are some big football games on this afternoon. I plan on watching them, but I also want to remind everybody there was a really big basketball game on yesterday. If you didn't catch it, Kentucky was facing off against Kansas, two of the winningest college basketball programs, two top 25 teams were playing one another at Kansas, and I'm not going to tell you who won, but my shirt says it all, okay? I just want to let you know, we've got some staff members that are Kansas fans. I'm not going to brag, but look at the shirt. Okay, Uh, now I'm also wearing this because my son, Alex, he has the same shirt. We have matching shirts, and he put his on. He said, Daddy, would you match me today? And so I did. We took this picture before I left the house this morning. So if you don't like that I'm wearing it, just blame my eight-year-old. It's all his fault, okay? Because I definitely would not have worn Kentucky today, but he talked me into it. Go Cats. And I hope that you got a chance to watch that game because it was an incredible game. But hopefully you get to watch some football this afternoon as well. So let me just hear you guys. How many Chiefs fans do we have in the room today? Any Chiefs fans? Yeah, okay. If you're online right now, you can also uh, put in the chat who you're cheering for. What about Bengals fans? Any Bengals fans? Okay, like four. Okay, great. Awesome. Yeah, glad you guys are here too. Okay, what about 49ers? Any 49ers fans? Okay, a few got some booze down front here. Wow, okay. And what about Rams fans? Any Rams fans? All right. Okay, I... One, right here on the front row. Awesome. Great. Well, it doesn't matter who you're cheering for today. We are glad you're here, and I'm glad you're here as we wrap up this series we've been in, Coming Up For Air. And I don't know about you, but I've needed this series. I really have. Because for some time, I feel like that as a culture, we've just been underwater, and the currents of our culture are just pushing down on us. And I've needed this series because Jesus knows that the life-draining rhythms of our culture, they're not sustainable over time. And he shows us a better way to live, and that's what we've been talking about in this series. And Jesus describes what this better way looks like in Matthew chapter 11. This has kind of been a theme verse of this series. Jesus says, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Now as you read the last part of that passage... And you saw the life there that Jesus wants to give you. Let me ask, does that describe your life right now? Are you living freely and lightly? Are you living with real rest? Are you living with peace and fullness and satisfaction and contentment in life right now? Have you recovered God's purpose for your life as Jesus says you can? Does that describe Your life? Because even though I think we all want that life, sometimes there's a big disconnect between what Jesus wants to give us and how we really live. 
And in this season, in this series, we've been talking about how to have that type of life. We've been looking at different obstacles that get in the way of having the type of life that Jesus wants us to have. And one of the big obstacles that we face in this season can be summed up in one word, and it's the word pace. Because we are a culture, we are a people who worship and idolize speed. We're all about speed, aren't we? I mean, think about that famous movie, Top Gun. What's the line there? You probably recognize it. I feel the need, the need for speed. We're a culture that idolizes, worships speed. Or maybe you've seen one of the 17 Fast and Furious movies that are out there. I don't know how many there are, but they keep putting them out, you know. Why? Why do they keep making these movies? Because we worship speed. Or maybe you're familiar with the great American superhero, Superman. What's he known for? Being faster than a speeding what? Bullet. Because we're all about speed. And let me just ask you, how many of you guys have placed an Amazon Prime order here recently? And when you found out it was going to take more than two days, you got mad. You were upset. Anybody do that? Yeah, I have. And it used to be that it took forever to get something delivered. But now, if it's not there in two days... We're all upset about it because we idolize speed. We're all about going fast. And I believe that we've bought into the cultural myth that faster is always better. And the Bible teaches that that just isn't true. Listen to what God's Word says. Proverbs 19 says, One who moves too hurriedly misses the way. In other words, one who moves too fast misses God's way, misses what God wants for their lives. I love how the New Living Translation translates this verse, just three words, haste makes mistakes. Isn't that great? Can we say those three words out loud together on the count of three? One, two, three. Haste makes mistakes. And it's so true. I don't know about you, but some of the biggest mistakes that I have made in my life, I have made when I've been in a hurry, when I've been rushed, when I've been moving and going way too fast. And we all know from experience how hurry can drain us and exhaust us and distract us. And God doesn't want that for our lives. Because he knows when we go too fast, we miss what he wants us to see. It's kind of like if you ever walk down a road, a street, that maybe you drive all the time, but you never really walked down it before. And as you walk down that road, you will see things that you haven't seen before. Even though you have been down that road in a car multiple times, when you walk it, you go at a slower pace, you will observe things and notice things. Maybe you hadn't seen before. And I think that's what God is telling us. Don't move so fast through life that you miss the opportunities that he's giving you all around. Don't miss what he wants you to see. Don't miss what he wants you to do. Don't go so fast that you get ahead of him and you miss what he wants to do in your life. And that's why over and over again in Scripture, we are instructed to intentionally slow down to make sure that our souls are in sync with God. But here's the thing. When some of you hear the phrase, slow down, you probably get a little nervous or even uncomfortable, and it may not even sound that appealing. 
Because you think if I slow down, I'm going to get behind. Again, we live in a culture that worships speed. And some of you, when you hear the word slow or the phrase slow down, you think of somebody who's lazy or inactive or unproductive. And that's not exactly what the Bible is talking about. See, a lot of times we don't want to slow down because we have the wrong idea of what slowing down means. We think of this little league player in this video. I'm not sure if you've seen this video clip or not, but this little leaguer, he is running home, and this is not in slow motion. This is real time right here, okay? That is actually how fast this kid is running home. His coach said, run as fast as you can, and this is what this little kid decided to do. He decided to run at that pace. His coach comes up and is like, come on, buddy let's go and he's like nope I'm doing my own thing get away you know and he just keeps going at that pace and you know it's almost painful to watch this because it's like come on buddy run let's go let's get on with it let's go but he's going to go at his own pace and when he finally gets to the end he wants everybody to know that he made it home there he is safe he's home right there now we can laugh at this little kid But here's the thing, we know that in real baseball, that doesn't work. I mean, unless you're hitting home runs all the time, you can never run that slow. And none of us hit home runs all the time. That doesn't work. And so when I say slow down, I'm not saying that you have permission to be lazy or inactive or unproductive or just go at your own pace. No, what I'm saying is we need to be a people that are going at the pace that God wants us to go at. See, sometimes that means that we're going to have to dig deep and go hard. But then other times it means we need to slow down and make sure that we are seeing what he wants us to see. The Bible isn't giving us permission to be lazy. In fact, in Proverbs it says this. It says, the lazy will come to ruin for their hands refuse to work. It's warning us, don't be lazy. I love how the old King James Version translates this. We don't use this version a whole lot because of its antiquated language. But still, look at what it says. The desire of the slothful. Isn't that a great word? The desire of the slothful killeth him, kills him, for his hands refuse to labor. My kid's favorite animal at the Tulsa Zoo is the sloth. I don't know why they like the sloth. It doesn't do anything, but they love seeing the sloth. And I don't know how many times we have walked past the sloth exhibit, and it's just laying there like in a basket doing absolutely nothing. And my little kids are like, hey, look at the sloth. Look at the sloth. Like, yeah, he looks the same he did the last time we were here. He doesn't do anything. I saw this meme just the other day on social media. Somebody called me lazy today, and I almost replied. Picture of a sloth. That's not the reputation that God wants us to have. And the Bible is telling us, don't be like that. But what the Bible is telling us is, you need to make sure that you slow down so that your life doesn't start to look like this. This is an intersection in Ethiopia. And look how crazy and chaotic and busy and jam-packed this is. I don't know how these people don't wreck, honestly. I would not want to drive on that road. That looks horrendous that scares me to death but that's a real intersection and sometimes that's how our lives look we're constantly busy and in a rush to the point that it starts to get a little dangerous because well our lives outpace our souls and the reason why God gives us all these warnings in the scriptures because God doesn't want our lives to outpace 
our souls. See, the whole point of life is to do life with God, for our hearts to be in sync with His heart, for our souls to be in sync with Him. And when we run ahead of God, when we get ahead of Him, and our lives start to outpace our souls, we get into trouble. Let me ask you a question. Do you ever feel like your soul needs to catch up with your life? You ever felt that way? Maybe you feel that way right now. Let me ask you another question. How many of you guys know what this right here is? Anybody know what this is? Somebody in the earlier service said, I don't, and he was honest, you know. His wife looked at him too when he said that, but... This is a speed limit sign. And I wonder if some of you guys know what this is because I've seen you drive on North Garnett out there, okay? By the way, there are police officers sitting out there all the time now, so be careful on that road. But why do we have these signs? Now, by the way, we did not steal this from the side of the road, okay? I just want to let you know we borrowed this with permission from the city, okay? We are giving it back. So this is not permission to go take a road sign. But anyway, the one that they gave us was 15 miles per hour. And this one probably belongs where, like, in a subdivision or neighborhood, residential area, because you want to go slower there. Why? Because there are kids at play and families out and about, right? Now, what, what this sign is, is permission to go. It's not a stop sign. It's not saying you got to stop and you can't go. It's not a keep out sign, a road close sign. No, this is giving us permission to go forward, but there's a limit to how fast we can do, go in order for it not to be dangerous to yourself and others because... Going too fast can put ourselves and others in danger. And there are times in life when we need to go 15 miles per hour. There are other times in life when we're on the highway or interstate and we can go much faster than that. But there's still a limit to how fast we can go before it becomes dangerous for us and others. And that's what God's Word is telling us. There are times in life we are going to go faster than other points in our lives. But... Always be listening to him. Always make sure that you are in sync with him so that you're not going too fast, so that you're not moving ahead of him, so that your life isn't outpacing your soul. So how do we make sure that we don't do that? Well, I think we need to follow the example of Jesus. In fact, that's why we have the example of Jesus. See, Jesus was never in a hurry. He never seemed rushed at all. And here's the thing. Nobody accomplished more in life than Jesus. Nobody was more productive in life in the history of the human race than Jesus Christ. Nobody accomplished more but him and yet than him. And yet, we never see him in a hurry. We never see him rushed. Because his heart was in sync with his father's heart. And when we follow his example, we can learn how to live in the rhythms of God's grace like he did. And as we have been in this series, we've been looking at different examples of Jesus' life, of how we can make sure that our hearts are in sync with God's heart. And what's interesting is, as I've been like studying different passages to decide what to preach on in this series... Over and over and over again, I have come to examples in the life and ministry of Jesus where Jesus has not been in a hurry, and yet I feel like he should be. <laughs> over and over again, I'm reading, and I'm like, come on, Jesus, let's go, let's do this. What are you waiting on? I feel like he should be in a hurry, but he's not. And one of those examples is found in the fifth chapter of Mark. So if you have your Bibles or a Bible app on your phone and tablet, go ahead and look up with me, Mark chapter 5. That's where we're going to study today as a church. And this is a really, really 
cool passage. See, Jesus, he is teaching and he is ministering by the Sea of Galilee, this giant lake. And Mark gives us this detail. It says, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. So Jesus teaching, a large crowd gathers around. And this word crowd in the Greek actually means a massive group of unidentified people, of no name, common people. There's a huge crowd, but it's just a crowd of common, average, no name, unidentified people. That's who's gathering around Jesus in this moment until a certain man joins this crowd. A man walks up by the name of Jairus. And Jairus was a guy that everyone in this crowd would have known because he is a synagogue ruler. What that means is he's like the mayor and the preacher all rolled into one in this community. He's both a community leader and he is a religious leader. He would have been well-respected. He would have been well-known. He had a lot of authority and power and influence. And in the midst of this crowd of unnamed people, Jairus shows up, and Jairus has a request that he wants to make of Jesus. He says this, he says, seeing Jesus, he, Jairus, fell at his feet and pleaded earnestly with him, my little daughter is dying, please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So the synagogue ruler falls at the feet of Jesus. And this must have been a humbling moment for Jairus because he was the guy that people typically came to with their problems. He was the guy who had all the answers. He was the guy who took people's questions and now he's going to Jesus for help. Not only that, Jesus is extremely popular in this day and age, but he's not real popular with the religious guys, with the religious leaders what are Jairus' peers going to say when they see him falling at the feet of Jesus? What are the other religious people going to say when they see him asking Jesus for help? I don't think Jairus cares because this little girl has died. And he's at the point where Jesus is his only hope. See, Jairus has got to the point where his level of desperation overrides his pride. And I wonder, do you need to get there as well? Maybe you're sitting here listening to this message or maybe you're online watching this message and you're somebody who in the past you've made fun of those who went to church, maybe even referred to church as a crutch for people. But now you're here or now you're online and you think, could I ever really get committed to that? Could I ever actually get baptized? I mean, people know what I used to say. I just don't know. Maybe you're listening to this message and you're somebody that came from another church. Maybe you moved or maybe you came here because of a bad situation at another church. I don't know. We're glad you're here. But maybe in that last church you were this leader and you were seen as an expert and you were the guy who had all the answers. But then you come here and it's like, wait a second, maybe I don't know what I thought I once knew. But you don't want to admit that to anybody? Maybe you're somebody who grew up in a small church. And for the first time you're coming to a big church like this one and 
you used to make these comments, and you've heard other people say it. Maybe your parents even told you, hey, those big churches, you can't really spiritually grow there. It's just for entertainment purposes, and people go there, and there's no real teaching or authentic worship. You can't get to know people in a big church. Small churches where it at. And hey, there's a need for small and big churches both. I'm not criticizing either, but now you're here, and you're like, wait a second. I love this church, and I am growing, and there is authentic worship taking place here, and I do have friends here, whatever. But you don't want to let your family or your old friends know that. Maybe you're just running from the truth. Maybe you think if the truth actually came out about your marriage or your finances or your job situation or your family life or some hidden sin that you have right now or maybe if the truth came out about your physical health or your mental health, then people wouldn't want to have anything to do with you. And so you just keep hiding. And your pride is getting in the way of you turning those things over to Jesus. And so let me ask you, when will the depth of your desperation override your pride? Because that's where Jairus is in this text. And he comes to Jesus and he's desperate. And here's the thing, Jesus always responds to those who humble themselves before him. Because look at what Mark tells us. Mark says, so Jesus went with him. So they go, they leave to see Jairus' daughter. And on their way, the crowd comes with them. In fact, other people seem to join them along the way. The crowd just keeps getting bigger and bigger. Mark says this, he says, a large crowd followed him and pressed around him. They're all just pressing up against him. Luke also tells about this scene in his gospel account. And look at this detail that Luke adds. Luke says, as Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him. I mean, this crowd, they all want to get close to Jesus. They all want to touch Jesus. They all want to be near him and get a look at him and maybe even see him do a miracle. They want to be as close as they can to him to the point that they're pressing up against him. They're almost crushing him. And in the midst of this crowd, I wonder what Jairus is thinking. Man, I wish these people would get out of the way. We got to get to my daughter. Time is of the essence. She's dying. And these people, they're just slowing us down. I wonder if he was thinking that. But it's interesting. The crowds don't go away. The crowds continue to grow. And among the crowd that day is an unnamed woman who reaches out for Jesus. We're not told her name, but we're told a little bit about her history. Mark tells us that She's been suffering in pain for 12 years. She has an incurable hemorrhage. She's been bleeding for 12 years in constant pain. And she's gone to doctor after doctor after doctor, and nobody can help her. In fact, it's not just that they can't help her. Doctor after doctor has said, your situation is getting worse. Your condition is getting worse. And I think this woman is at the point where she's about ready to give up hope. She's exhausted all of her earthly resources. And she's ready to just say, this is how it's always going to be. I'm going to die of this. Until she hears about Jesus. Mark goes on to say, when she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, she thought to herself, if I just 
touch his clothes, I will be healed. So here's what's going on. This woman is a nobody. We're not even told her name. She sees herself as a nobody, and she knows what Jesus is doing. She hears what the crowds are saying. He's going to take care of the synagogue ruler's daughter. He's not going to stop for her because nobody would stop for somebody like her. He's going to take care of the synagogue ruler. The synagogue ruler was an important man. Jesus doesn't have time for somebody like her. And so she thinks to herself, well, if I can just get close enough to him, maybe I can touch his garment. I can touch his cloak because I know who he claims to be. And if he is who he, say, who he says he is, then I can be healed just by touching his cloak. She's desperate. You guys know that I'm a big basketball fan. And so um, growing up, I always watched Kentucky, of course, play basketball in college. But I never really had a professional basketball team that I rooted for uh, because we don't have a professional team in Kentucky. And so when I moved here, you guys have the OKC Thunder, and I became a Thunder fan instantly because I didn't really have a team to cheer for. And so my family, we've gone to Thunder games. We love going, and they haven't been very good since I've lived here, but that's okay. I'm not a Fairweather fan. I am in it for the Thunder, okay? I am all in. And so we cheer them all. On, even though they haven't been great. But another cool thing is that a lot of former Kentucky players have played for OKC while we've been here. And we've got to meet several of them. That's something that my son Alex and I love doing. We love going to games to meet players, get our pictures with them, our autographs. It's just something fun, father-son thing that we do. And so we didn't get to, get to go to a game for the past you know, year, year and a half because of COVID and all that, but we got to go this year. And we went to one of the preseason games that was in Tulsa at the BOK Center. And Alex told me, he said, do you think, or he asked me, he said, Daddy, do you think we'll get to meet Shay Giltress Alexander? Because Shay used to play for Kentucky. We were big fans of his. And I was like, buddy, I don't know. We haven't been to a game since COVID. They may not let fans near the players. I just don't know. Don't get your hopes up. You know, I wanted to prepare him for that. So we get there, and I really don't see any players, like, coming out to sign autographs or anything like that. So I just assume they're not going to do it. And then at halftime... Shay comes out, and he starts signing autographs and taking pictures with fans. And so I see this happening, and I'm like, Alex, let's go. And so we run down to try to meet Shay Gilters Alexander. And we get down there, and there's this, like, gate fence-type thing. And we're at the very end of it, and Shay, he's coming down the line. And he's signing autographs, taking selfies with people, whatever. And I just, I know it's going to happen, you know, because we're at the very end. He'll get us, and he'll go on back out to the court. And he gets within arm's reach of us. And all of a sudden, this guy walks up in a suit who has this VIP badge on, and he says something to Shay, and then Shay walks with him and just leaves us. And he goes over to this other group of people who all also had these VIP badges on, and Shay's there talking with them, laughing with them, signing autographs for them, taking pictures with them. And I'm like, what's going on? You know, I mean, these obviously are very important people. So they took Shay away from us. But I'm thinking, well, he'll come back. He'll come back. And then the buzzer went off for the players to get back on the bench because the second half is getting ready to start. And he just goes to the bench. And we were left. We were the only people in the entire line that he did not stop for. And Alex was crushed. I mean, he looked at me and he's crying. And I'm like, hey, buddy, it's okay. We'll try to meet him again next time. I'm trying to encourage him. And Alex said, well, how come he went over and he talked to those people instead of us? We were here first. And I said, well, those are VIPs. And Alex said, what's a VIP? And I said, a very important person. And he looked at me and as serious as could be, he goes, 
but daddy, you're the preacher of First Church. And I'm like, yeah, that doesn't count for anything here. You know, that doesn't matter here at all. And I had to explain that to him. Why? Because we were nobodies there. And that's how this woman in the passage feels. She's a nobody. Jairus, uh, sorry, Jairus, he's a synagogue ruler. He's somebody. Not her. So she settles for just touching his garment. That's what she does. Listen to what happens. It says, immediately, her bleeding stopped, and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. Twelve years of pain, twelve years of suffering, and now she has relief. She's free from this suffering. And as she gets this freedom, Jairus, he keeps on walking. The crowd keeps on going, but Jesus stops. And Jesus turns around. Listen to what happens. It says that once Jesus realized that power had gone out from him, and he turned around in the crowd and asked, Who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered. And yet you can ask, Who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. In other words, the disciples are like, what do you mean, who touched you, Jesus? The crowd is getting ready to crush you. They're pressing up against you. Everybody's touching you. But here's the thing. Jesus knows the difference between those who casually hang around him and those who desperately reach for him. He knows the difference. He knows the difference between those who just casually come to church and those who are really reaching for him, seeking him. He welcomes everybody. But he can tell the difference. And which describes you today. Jesus knows that somebody really reached for him. And so he keeps looking through the crowd. And it says, but Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet. And trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace Be freed from your suffering. I love how he calls her daughter. Because that term right there indicates who Jesus is and who she is as well. What is Jesus doing? In the midst of this crowd of people, in front of Jairus, Jesus here is saying, this woman isn't a nobody. This woman is a daughter of God. And she has a place in God's family. She matters to me. She matters to my Father. See, not only does this woman receive physical healing, but she's able to base her identity in God as one of his children. What an awesome, incredible moment this is for this woman. But this incredible moment for this woman shortly turns into a nightmare for Jairus, because look at what happens next. While Jesus was still speaking, still talking to the woman, some men came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue ruler. They say to him, your daughter is dead. Why bother the teacher anymore? Now, I don't know what was going through Jairus' head in this moment, but I can imagine Let me tell you what I would be thinking. First of all, I'd be crushed because of the news that I just heard about my little girl. But secondly, I might be second-guessing Jesus in this moment. Couldn't you picture Jairus saying, 
Jesus, if you are who you say you are, didn't you know how much time my daughter had left? Why'd you stall? Why'd you stop? This woman could have waited. I mean, she already got her healing. You could have kept on going. Why didn't you go a different route, Jesus? You knew the crowds would follow you along this route. Why didn't you send the crowds away, Jesus? And if you didn't think we had enough time to get to my little girl, why did you give me false hope and come along with me? Why, Jesus? That's what I probably would have been thinking. And I don't know if that's what Jairus was thinking, but I think it was probably something like that because look at what happens next. Ignoring what they said, ignoring what the people were telling Jairus, Jesus told the synagogue ruler, don't be afraid, just believe. He looks at the synagogue ruler and he says, I'm still who I claim to be. Don't be alarmed. Don't be troubled. Don't be scared. Don't be afraid. Just believe. Believe in me. I, I got this. See, that word believe in Greek actually means to place confidence in or to trust. When we hear the word believe in our culture today, we think of intellectual acknowledgement. But in the biblical sense, the word believe is so much more than that. It's not just intellectually acknowledging something to be true, but believing in something is putting your confidence in it. Believing in someone is putting your confidence or your trust in a person. And what Jesus here is saying is don't be alarmed, don't panic. Don't be afraid. Trust me. I got this. I'm still who I claim to be. I'm still in control. Don't be afraid. And Jesus is reminding us this truth. When we're at our worst, God is always at his best. God always does what is best for us. He always has a plan, even when we can't see it, even when he's not operating on our timetable. And Jairus, he has a choice to make. What voice is he going to listen to? Because one voice, the voice of the crowds, the voice of the people around him are saying, don't bother. Don't bother the teacher anymore. What's done is done. It's not going to change. It's done. Don't bother. And I wonder if that voice is ever in your ear as well. What do you mean you want to get marriage counseling? You've been trying to work things out forever. Why bother? It's no use. That addiction you're suffering with, you're struggling with, you're never going to change. Why bother? You're just wasting everybody's time. Your financial situation, why make changes? You've been struggling with your finances for years. Why bother? You want to go and help? People, you know how people are. They'll just take advantage of you. Why bother? The enemy is always whispering in our ears, why bother? But Jesus is saying, just believe. Just trust me. It may not always make sense. It may not always add up. But just believe in me. Because when you do it my way, I will be with you. And you will see the impossible take place. Guys, I know in our culture today, we have a whole lot that we could be worried about. We have a whole lot 
that could scare us if we let it. I mean, just think about everything that we're dealing with as a culture today. Whether it's politics or the global health situation or what other countries are going to do like Russia or who the next Supreme Court justice is going to be or what the next Supreme Court decision is going to be. Or maybe it's the economy or your job situation. Maybe it's your family situation. What are our kids hearing about in school? Maybe it's just the moral compass of our country right now. We have a lot that we could be worried about. And I'm not saying that any of those issues aren't big issues or things that we should ignore. I'm not saying that at all. But what I'm saying is God is bigger than all of those things. What I'm saying is We should not allow for anything that happens in this world to scare us to the point that it drives our lives. Because the same God who looked at Jairus and said, do not be afraid, just believe, is the God who is with us and is on our side today. And he is still working miracles today. That phrase... Don't be afraid, just believe. I think we need to hear that today more than ever. Jairus believed. So Jesus goes on to his house, and they get there, and everybody's already mourning. They're crying, and they're weeping because this little girl has died. And Jesus walks in, and he says, why are you guys crying? This little girl, she's not dead. She's just sleeping. He's predicting what he's getting ready to do. He's going to bring her back from the dead. And you know what the passage says? Mark tells us, but they laughed at him. Guys, our world is still laughing at Jesus today. Our world is still laughing at us because we follow Jesus today. But what they're missing is that Jesus is going to get the last word. And that's what happens here. After he put them all out, he got rid of all the negative voices. He took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him And he went where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. And immediately the girl stood up and walked around. She was 12 years old. She's 12 years old. The other woman who was healed had been in pain for 12 years. At this, they were completely astonished. I bet they were. Nobody expected that. Nobody predicted that. But here's the thing. Jesus isn't finished astonishing us today. Jesus isn't finished doing astonishing things for us today and within our lives today. Because the same God who told that little girl to get up and the same God who healed that woman who'd been suffering for 12 years is the same God who is telling us, just believe in me. I got this. And my question is, where is your faith today? Because our generation is facing a whole lot. We're walking into uncharted territory in many ways. We don't know what the future holds. We don't know what's going to come next. We don't have all the answers. But this this isn't the first time that God has led his people into uncharted territory. God has successfully led his people through uncharted territory time and time again. And that's why next week we're launching a new series called just that, Uncharted Territory. We're going to study the book of Joshua, a time in the history of God's people when God led Joshua and the people into uncharted territory and did incredible things in their midst because they trusted in him. And I believe God wants to do the same for us today.
We may not know what's ahead. We may not have all the answers. We may be tempted to be scared and let fear drive our lives. But the God who says, Talitha kum, the God who says, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. It's the same God who told Jairus, don't be afraid, just believe. And he's telling the same thing to you and me today. As you leave here today, we've got a little bracelet wristband that we want to give you. And it just has those words on it from Mark's 5.36. Don't be afraid, just believe. If you want to, you can take one of these and put it on. And over the next few weeks as we move into this new series, you can wear this. And as we start to hear troubling news in our culture and we start to be tempted to be afraid, just remember who's really in control. If you're worshiping online right now, you can put it in the chat or you can request it through your online connection card that you want one of these and we'll mail you one. But pick one of these up and just remember... We don't have a reason to be afraid because God is going to work all this out in his time. All we have to do is believe in him. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you so much for today. I thank you for this opportunity we've had to open up your word, dive into it. And may we be a people who don't give in to the world's voices that say don't bother. But Father, may we be a people who just believe, who place our trust in your Son. And let him lead us where we need to go. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.